Welcome to Follow the Medical Record, where healthcare experts give insights into the increasing importance of following a patient's medical record through the health ecosystem with compliance, privacy, security, and efficiency front and center. This podcast is brought to you by MRO and hosted by Don Hardwick, Senior Vice President of Client Relations at MRO. Don has been in the health information management industry for over 40 years and has extensive knowledge of how medical records make their way through the healthcare ecosystem. At MRO, Don is responsible for strategic client engagement programs and overall client satisfaction. To hear from all of MRO's industry experts, be sure to visit MROCorp.com for additional content and to sign up for our monthly e-newsletter. Over to you, Don. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Follow the Medical Record. I'm your host, Don Hardwick, and thanks for listening in. You can learn more about me and my very special guest today on MRO's website at MROCORP.com. And if you have any questions, connect with me on LinkedIn. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at MROCORP. If you're familiar at all with MRO, you're more than likely equally as familiar with our guest today, Steve Hines. As one of the founders of MRO, Steve has worn many hats, including CEO and president of our provider solution division. Throughout all the changes and growth, he's remained what I would refer to as the heart and cornerstone of the organization. Now that we're celebrating our 20th year in business, his dedication has remained the same. And the beginning, I am personally delighted to have worked alongside of him for the past 13 years and truly excited to have him on the show today. So Steve, thank you for joining. Thanks, Don. Happy to be here and uh, right back at you on the last 13 years working together. Uh, Steve, for many people, there's a dream of starting up or owning your own business. So before we get into your current role and where you see the industry and our organization heading, I'd like to sort of turn back the clock to the beginning of your 20 plus years um, and your journey in this industry. So if you would kind of divulge or open up to our listeners how your career path has evolved and why specifically medical records and even more specifically to that, why release of information? Well, I like to say there was some Machiavellian plan that landed me where I am, but sometimes things just happen for a reason. Um, in terms of how I got into the release of information business, that was just happenstance. Um, uh, I was a salesman selling payroll services and I got recruited uh, to come to work into the release of information business for the old Smart Corporation as a territory salesperson in Eastern Pennsylvania. And, you know, that was my introduction to the release of information business. Um, not to run ahead to where we're going to go, but, you know, at that point, <laughs> we were photocopying paper medical records. So we're going back quite a long way, 27, 28 years ago. So if, if you were going to uh, kind of give an overview of how this has evolved, you, you mentioned, you know, copying medical records and supplying that information. 
in essence, how has all of that evolved through the years? What does it look like today compared to compared to back then? Well, you know, let me start with an anecdote. When I took the job at Smart in 1990, whatever it was, 95, perhaps, 96, 95, it was um, people said to me, what are you going to do in five years when there's no more paper in healthcare? Nobody's going to need your services. And my response was, well, I don't know, five years is a long time. Let's see what happens. And what has happened is that the methodology to store medical record information has fundamentally transformed. The way we extract it has fundamentally transformed. The way we uh, do perform quality control checks, the way we communicate with requesters, the way we distribute records has radically changed over the years. But was, what hasn't radically changed is that somebody still has to do the work. And that's really what our industry is about. It is a technology-enabled service today. Technology is critically important, but at the end of the day, it requires a human to receive, validate, process, and distribute copies of medical records. It is a very uh, compliance-driven business. And so as much as the tools that we use have changed, the basic need and the processes we follow have not changed. So, Steve, it's funny you, you you say that way back then that people were saying that in five years, you know, we would not have this process to deal with any longer. And yet today, guess what people are still saying? Five more years, uh, this process is going to be obsolete. But all through this time, which goes back uh, a number of years here, way beyond 20, uh, it, the same the same evolution has occurred only thing that has changed is the technology that drives the process so people still need to have information for multiple reasons uh, primary you know reason would be for continuity of care but for many other reasons and so i, I see and, and probably you do too is that there is no end in sight for this information having the need for people to gather the information for various purposes. So yeah, not, not in our not in our career span, Don, that's for sure. <laughs> um, it is maybe that day comes sometime in the future, but it, you're right. It's not it's not in sight as far as I'm concerned. So, Steve, MRO has been a leader in this industry for quite some time, and we've had a lot of growth, a lot of changes, uh, a lot of evolution uh, through our own company and as a byproduct of different regulations and demands in the industry itself. Where where do you see these all of this going for the future? Um, I, I know that there are other companies that have some that do work in similar spaces that um, we overlap with. How do you see them and MRO intersecting in the future? Well, part of this, call it digital transformation or technology transformation is, uh, you know, it's a big buzzword in healthcare, but interoperability, right? The ability to connect multiple parties uh, to streamline a transaction 
that's that's big, obviously, in today's society across the board. You know, our industry is no different. If you think about the ability to integrate with an electronic medical record, extract that information in, in you know, some type of a hopefully automated uh, process, um, quality control, the information in a, you know, with some technology, distribute the records in an integrated fashion. You know, interconnectivity is kind of where I see us going. It's where we've, you know, evolved to, and I see that continuing. Um, and that's not just within the chain of, you know, releasing a copy of a medical record, but connecting to other systems in the healthcare, uh, you know, universe. Think about, for example, in the hospital, um, they get a lot of payment integrity requests to audit payment on the claims that they've made, whether that's prepay or postpay. Um, we're a piece of that process because we're distributing a copy of the medical record. So it's one of the reasons that we acquired Cobius because they uh, have a you know leading software package to help healthcare systems uh, process, uh, track and process those uh, payment integrity audits. And you know that's a that's a level of connectivity that we think is important that we can bring to our clients by by bringing all that information together in one place gives better data and visibility to our customers to make good business decisions. Steve, you mentioned audits and Cobius and tracking all of those audits. Give our listeners just a little bit of insight as to the volume and how uh, of audits that hospitals uh, receive and how that's transformed over the years. Well, Boy, I can't even remember the year, but if you go back to the RAC demonstration programs, that's probably over 15 years ago, that's where it all started. It was, you know, post-payment claims auditing for Medicare requests, and it just kind of went from there. And, you know, the RAC program's gone in fits and starts over the years, but it's really gone big into Medicare Advantage and, frankly, now commercial claims. And, you know, healthcare systems can receive a significant volume of those requests. You know, their larger health system can receive several thousand a month. And, you know, they may be after the claim is paid. Now these audits are also starting to be done on a pre-claim basis where a claim is submitted and, you know, they perform a full audit uh, on that claim before they even pay it. Uh, it just depends on who the payer is and, you know, the way their contracts are structured. In a value-based care world, some of you would hope some of that would go away, but we're certainly not there today, and we're not we're not seeing a reduction in those audits. Frankly, it's it's status quo. It's it feels like it's something that's fairly uh, tractable at this point. You know, um, Steve, when you're talking about volume and the amount of um, review and audits that hospitals are getting. Um, it has it has certainly increased since I've been with MRO and since I've been in the industry as well. And it had it now makes up somewhere in the neighborhood of 40% of all of the requests that we process are some kind of audit related or review related. Um, and I, I see that too as, um, as a, an unending process as payers try to 
uh, unpack all of the charges and what was actually delivered during that stay so that they can reduce their exposure uh, for payment. So I, I, I guess we should probably clarify, Don, uh, you know, risk adjustment, Medicare risk adjustment, which is primarily to benefit the payer and their relationship with CMS and the post-payment audits. But if you take those two together and add in the heatest to it, you're right. It's it's um, on average better than 40% of the total request volume that we process for our customers. I, I guess we should qualify a little bit of, our, of the volume that we process on behalf of our clients. In, in aggregate, we do what? several million requests a year. And so that number of audits or reviews, uh, including risk adjustment, HEDIS, and all types of audits is probably in the neighborhood of 40%. Yeah, we do. We do more than several million requests a year. It's a, it's a big number. So, yeah, it's, it's a significant piece of the business request from payers. I mean, you know, Don, you've been in this business as long or longer than I have, you know, you go back 20 years ago, what requests from payers were probably 10% of volume and it's, you know, quadrupled or so, something like that. Does that sound right? That sounds uh, just about right. So it's a, it's a significant portion. Uh, and I, I wish there was a magic uh, formula here to reduce that and help our clients, our hospital clients and providers in general, reduce that, but I, I, I don't see that happening. I, I think more with interconnectivity uh, that may drive some of that, those numbers down, but in essence, the work still has to be processed and the volume still has to be audited. So I, I don't see an end in sight for uh, our clients in that respect. Well, one but, of the ironic things, Don, is you know, I said earlier, people said to me, 26, seven years ago, 27, eight years ago, whatever it was, what are you going to do in five years and nobody needs your services? The, the volume of requests, the number of requests has grown. That, so, so, you know, the digitization of medical records, making it theoretically easier to get to, which, you know, we can come back to that, whether that's actually happened or not, but has only driven an increased desire for the medical record outside the four walls of the hospital. So, you know, hospitals and health systems and, you know, providers in general have seen uh, on average a significant increase across the board in terms of the number of parties that require information. Because at the end of the day, it's not, a, you can't just click a button and distribute the record. It's far more complicated than that. And that's been proven time and time again. So that's why companies like MRO exist you know, you know, we are specialized uh, in the industry release of information. It lends itself to outsourcing in order to really help the healthcare provider manage the flow of requests in as efficient and compliant nature as possible. MROs had a tremendous um, amount of success through the years and growth as a result of that success. How, what what do you see as the major contributor to MRO's success compounded year over year? Well, I guess if I really, if I could boil it down to maybe two things, I would say it's this. Um, first of all, it's our people. 
we've had great people from the beginning. Um, my co-founders were really strong technologists. And, you know, we've embedded technology in the DNA of MRO from the beginning. If you go back 20 years, release of information companies were primarily service bureaus. Technology was somewhat of an afterthought. It's just where we were in the, the medical records world you know, in the early, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. But we always had a, a strong technology bent and have always wanted to um, leverage technology to help us deliver the best service to our clients. So when you blend that with a great company culture led by great people up and down the organization, that's a winning formula. And, you know, one of the things we've done at MRO is I think we've got great longevity. I mean, you came to us 13 years ago. You're, you're an integral part of our success. We have stories like that up and down our organization across every department. So at the end of the day, we have great people working across a unified culture in a client-focused way where that, that at the end of the day, what we do is we put our clients first. If you take care of your client, the rest of it falls into place. That's always been our philosophy and it's served us well. Steve, we started this discussion today talking about the, you know, owning your own business or being a part of a startup business. What advice would you have for someone, a, a would-be entrepreneur? And I know you don't uh, really think of yourself as an entrepreneur, but in, in essence, you are. What, what advice would you have for someone out there looking to start a business or head into a path of medical information as a business? Well, generally speaking, in terms of starting a business, I'll, I'll share what somebody shared with me when I was contemplating joining MRO in its formative stages, which is if you're going to do a startup, make sure that everybody you're doing the startup with is really good at their job. There's, there's no room for a weak tree on the branch, as they say. Everybody has to be really strong at what they do. And looking back, that's exactly what we had at MRO. So that advice proved to be spot on. So I would start with that. That is is advice one. In terms of maybe starting doing a startup in the medical record space, boy, I, I <laughs> that's an interesting one because the industry has changed so much. I mean, look, you started your own business, right, Don? And when you did it, you know, it was fairly straightforward, right? It was uh, incorporate your business, get a photocopy or go get customers, start making copies of records, right? You didn't need a whole lot of startup capital. To do a startup in the the release of information sector today really would be a whole different animal. You, you probably need to have some type of venture or professional financial backing because you do need to make significant investments in technology and infrastructure in order to compete in the marketplace today. It's, I'd say that's one of the, the things that MRO really timed well, and that's just, it was pure luck, was we came into the market with a good technology platform when really very few other people were leveraging technology in our industry. And it was right as hospitals were starting to try to leverage technology. So we kind of had a convergence of good things for us. So our timing was good across the board there. I, I think it would be more difficult today, frankly. Let, let me ask you this, Steve, from a personal standpoint, any sleepless nights during those startup years? <laughs> well, I'm a guy who doesn't lose a lot of sleep, but yes, there were always in the early days sleepless nights. You know, you you 
you sometimes wonder. But I will say that the other piece of advice I give to anybody that's going to start a business, if you have the vision and the drive and you're convinced that you can be successful, then you stick to your guns and go for it. That's the other advice I would give anybody who's thinking about starting their own business is you rely on yourself, your instinct. If you're, you know, a good entrepreneur has the vision, the drive, the desire, and frankly, the stick to itness to make it successful. I don't think I could have said it better or anyone else. That is super advice. No matter whether you're working for a company and hold a role or a responsibility within that company, or you're going out on your own to do something independent, that advice right there holds water for both entities. So very good, very, very good advice is to stick with that vision. And if someone, if you're working for a company and they've given you uh, an opportunity is to take that opportunity and stick with it, give it your all. In other words, excellent advice. Steve, anything else uh, as we as we begin to wrap up here that you would like to um, share with our listeners? Well, as I think about how much the industry's changed over the last, you know, if you break it into 10 year segments from 20 years ago to 10 years ago and then from 10 years ago to today, I can only imagine what it's going to look like in 10 more years. It's, you know, the, the pace of change is only going to accelerate. That's a technology thing. It's just the way it occurs. Um, I think it's it can be really unsettling. Change can be unsettling to people, but it's also inevitable. The best thing you can do is embrace it, prepare for it, and adapt to it. And I think that's, you know, I guess I'll leave it with this. You know, it, it's always been one of the principles in MRO, and it's something I think we've done well with. And, you know, it will always continue to be an important piece of our DNA to make sure that we're doing that so we can continue to deliver for our customers. I couldn't agree more. Thanks, Steve. I, I just want to thank you again for you know, taking the time out of your schedule. I know you're super busy um, to join the uh, program today. I really do appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. It's always fun going down memory lane. <laughs> um, so I'm sure our uh, audience appreciates your insight and, you know, insight into a very, very interesting business, number one, and then in general about starting a business. I, I think that's very valuable information. And more particularly, how this industry's transformed over the years and the successful path of your career uh, in particular. So that said, I'd like to close today by saying that if you know someone that's looking for a great career path in a flourishing industry, have them check out our website and feel free to contact us here at, uh, at MRO at MROCORP.com. Also, be sure to check out our program page on healthcarenowradio.com. Finally, be sure to connect with us on Twitter. Until we talk again, I'm your host, Don Hardwick. <laughs>